You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. All right, thanks, Tina. Hey, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to James. We're going to be in James chapter 1. That's where we're continuing this morning. Um, and so, like Christina said, welcome to Anthem Church. So we are in this book all fall long, and so we're going to continue. we got three verses to get through today. Now, I'll just say, as you're opening up there, I did not originally plan on teaching this uh, message. You're like, but you're lead pastor. Like, don't you have something to say about that? Yeah, originally I had somebody else scheduled to come in, and so it was my intention to like be sitting in the, the seats this morning just taking notes because honestly, like, I am certainly no expert on the topic we're going to be talking about. Um, it is anger. And this has been, in transparency, one of the things I've struggled with uh, all my life, uh, the sin of anger. In fact, my mom uh, tells a story that when I was a little kid, in anger, I used to do this thing where I would hold my breath I didn't know this was a real thing, right? I'd get so angry when I wasn't getting in my way. And so what I would do is I would just, I would just hold my breath. And she tells of one time when I was a little kid holding my breath so long that I actually turned blue because the oxygen had left like my blood, you know? And so my face turns blue and y'all, I passed out, like holding my breath, hit my head on the fireplace on the way down, and she's like, you never held your breath again, right? Like, that is, this has been like a struggle, and so here we are, like, talking about anger today, and, and I'm getting uh, to talk about this, and so sometimes uh, this still manifests itself in my life, and so I don't know if it's a personal struggle for you. Maybe you're like, they're talking about anger, and you, like, elbowed your spouse, like, when you come in, like, that's you, honey, okay? Be it who somebody you came with, maybe you have kids, you know, they have their own little temper tantrums, co-workers, if you just have a social media account, you're exposed to anger, right? So whether it's you or someone around you, you're exposed to anger on a consistent basis. It is alive and well today. And so James has something to say about this. He's going to push us and say, this anger of man is not what God would want. And he's writing to, to church people that, that would have been in Jerusalem. And he's saying, this is not what God would want. And so he wants us to, to kill anger, and to do so, we got to do it by killing the root. And so James chapter 1, verse 19, he says this. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay, that's two out of our three verses. Okay, so verse 19, he says, know this. Beloved brothers, again, he's writing to church people, and he just kind of gets everybody together with this very endearing kind of intro to the topic of anger. He's saying, brothers, and he doesn't single any person out. He doesn't say, like, all right, church, what Joe, what I want you to know is that your anger. No, he's saying, this is every person. I want every person, not just one individual, but every person to be slow, uh, slow to speak, and slow to anger, and quick to hear. And so before you dismiss like anger, and you're like, well, that's not one of the things I struggle with. I struggle with other things, but not anger. Let me help define anger before you dismiss yourself as like off the hook. Does that make sense? 
Okay, so anger, if we have this for the screen, Brock, there should be anger, by definition, we do not have this? Okay, write this out. So, <laughs> anger, by, this is Webster's definition of anger. It's a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. By definition, like, is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. You're like, well, I don't get angry, but I, I certainly get displeased and annoyed by things. Mm -hmm. By definition, that is like the same roots uh, as anger. And so that's just a, a definition. In fact, when you look at the original Greek here, it really does kind of hit on not, not the anger that's the blow up that manifests itself in like going and killing somebody, but the kind of anger that the word used here in the Greek is the kind that like you stew on it, you, you're, you're reflecting on it, you're playing it over and over. That, that kind of, again, annoyed displeasure that leads to this inward hostility, that's what he's talking about here. And so now when you define it like that, you're like, oh, well, maybe I do struggle a little bit with, with that. Maybe I am easily annoyed or easily displeased or I have this hostility in my heart. What does he say about that? Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Somebody in connection group right at the point is like, is this where you get the whole like two ears, one mouth thing? Like this idea, like, and use them proportionally. Perhaps you've heard that. Like we are supposed to, what does he say? He says, quick to hear, slow to speak slow to become angry. How are all these things related? Now I'm telling you, by nature, not always one that is quick to hear. In fact, I don't know where these verses were the first couple years of my marriage, but they certainly were not being applied, right? Like what does it look like to be quick to hear? Because my default is the inverse of these. I'm like, I'm quick to speak, slow to listen. Just ask my wife, right? And pray for me, okay? Like the reality is like, that is, when we're just operating out of the flesh, what comes natural? What comes natural is not like this, for me at least, this, hey, I want to really hear you out. Go ahead and explain your thing. But there's this quickness to speak. And he's saying, if you are not quick to hear, what you do in that moment is you fail to obtain all the facts. When you are not quick to hear, what you can do, church, is you can start to tell yourself stories, let me give you an example of this, okay? Our college ministry, we meet together on campus, and we meet for prayer. We have been doing this since the beginning of this college ministry, which dates back 45 years. Every Monday morning at 7 a.m. across every kind of campus with the salt company, students and staff are getting together to pray, saying, God, we need you to move. We need you to go before us. And so, our first Monday morning prayer of the year, this is a big deal, all of our leaders are going to be there, and we are going to get together, and we are going to pray for the campus that we are trying to reach with the gospel. And we are about to get started on this 45-year-long tradition, and one of my staffers, who's supposed to be leading the worship that morning before we pray, is not there on time. Now, I want you to know something, <laughs> For me, that's a big deal because I was raised 10 minutes early is on time. On time is late and late never happens. In fact, you might think less of me, but <laughs> we had some of our gals were a little bit late. Christina was late to a meeting on Friday. 10 push-ups for every one minute you were late, okay? 
I don't care who you are, you start pushing right now, okay? So Christina was doing push-ups this morning to make up for that. It's like, no, you're on time. This is Monday morning prayer. Everybody's going to be there, and one of my staff guys who's leading worship is not there. And so, in my failure to be quick to listen and slow to speak, I just start filling in the gaps. I'm like, I know right where he's at. That dude is laying in his bed. He didn't care enough to set his alarm. He's sleeping in. We're here early, opening this thing up. We're ready to pray, but apparently Nick Serene is not ready to pray with us. <laughs> so you start to tell yourself this story. You're like, oh, I, you know, and you can really start to play it up. You're like, I bet they did this on purpose. I bet they wanted me. You start filling in all the, like, all the, alternative facts, you know, like the things that, that you just start telling yourself a story. And if you are slow to listen, what happens is you start telling stories. Given the limited information, you start determining people's motives on their behalf. And you come to the quick conclusion, hey, I'm a victim here, and they're a villain. That's what you do if you're not quick to listen. And so failing to be quick to listen, fill in the gaps. Here comes Nick, and I'm like, what do you have to say for yourself? Here's how the rest of the story goes. This is why you shouldn't do this. Nick's saying, oh, I ran into a, a, a homeless person next to the office when I was up early practicing music, printing it to be here on time, and he came running up to me because he said his friend was having a heart attack and that I needed to come quick and dial 911. And so I was on the phone with 911, running around the corner. I'm like, oh, that is not the story I told myself. And that is why I'm two minutes late for Monday morning prayer. It's like, okay, but you still owe me 20 push-ups. Uh, no. Like, this storytelling, guys, it is not helpful. Proverbs 18, verse 17 says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes along and examines him. Like, it might seem like you got it all figured out when it's just your side, but if you're quick to listen and get all the information, perhaps then you'll have an accurate story in reality. And James is saying, be quick to hear, slow to speak. Oftentimes, church, the root of our disagreement is simply just a lack of information. If I'm, I'm convinced of this. If the lot of the disagreements that we have oftentimes come down to a lack of information, because oftentimes I believe if everybody was working with the same information, oftentimes they'd come to the same conclusion. But it's you're missing information, and so you don't have that, so you're like, well, I, I land differently on that. Well, you just don't know some things, and so what would it look like if we would slow down, not be so quick to speak, not be so quick to fill in with our stories, but quick to, to listen? And here's the thing, is when we do that, when I start telling myself stories, or you start telling yourself stories, not based on factual information, but based on emotions, when you start doing that, it puts this thing where it's like you are guilty until proven innocent. And if your marriage operates like that or your coworker relationships operate like that, like I'm going to fill in the gaps, I'm going to think the worst until you prove me otherwise. When you have that, even when that person is found innocent, the damage is already done. Like when it's guilty until proven innocent, when I'm not filling in the gaps and thinking the best, but I'm thinking the worst, and you're like, well, I thought this, this, and this, and that's not true. Oh, but now it's like, wait, 
that's what you think of me? Like, that's, that's what you deducted? And so if you come with the noose ready to hang somebody, only to find out they're innocent, the damage has been done when we carry that kind of mentality, when we're not quick to, to listen, and when we're not slow to speak. As we're studying this out on our teaching team, Todd Van Vorst, who's one of the elders here, he just begs the question, like, what is the harm in listening? Like, what would be the harm in getting to hear them out first? Because it's fast to respond. Here's the reality. Even if you're, you're fast to respond, you're like, but I'm not angry, Pastor Stan. I'm not angry. Even if it's not motiva- motivated by anger, your quick response lacks wisdom. Proverbs would say, where words are many, sin is not absent. Proverbs 10, verse 19. Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who holds his tongue is thought to be wise. Whatever is prompting your, your fast response and your failure to listen and draw somebody out, minimally it lacks wisdom. And more so, it certainly can be the thing that leads to anger. And so James is pushing us as church people. He's saying, I want you to understand that you need to be quick to listen. Don't start telling yourself stories and casting judgment. One commentary said it like this. He said, human anger, which is the product of a retarded willingness to listen, is at odds with God's righteousness. This anger just comes and is oftentimes rooted in the inability to listen. And it was just classic as I'm preparing for this sermon Friday night. I am up till 1 a.m. refereeing an argument between two individuals. And I am telling you how true that is, that the inability to listen took a conversation that could have been boiled down to 20 minutes and stretched it out over four hours to the point where I'm like, okay, referee, please don't kill each other. I'm going to go to bed because it's 1 in the morning, right? And it really stemmed from an inability to listen. And perhaps if that's your marriage or that's your coworker, the relationship, I would just say, like, listen. Because so much unnecessary annoyance, displeasure, hostility, i.e. anger, stems from the inability to listen to each other and draw them out. And what it leads to in verse 20 is this anger of man. When we don't listen, anger is in there, and this anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And that term, anger of man, and we got to clarify, because there's, there's this kind of a right anger, and then there's this, what he's talking about is the, the anger of man. Anger of man is, is a concern with self. When you're saying, I don't want to listen, and you're guilty until proven innocent, when you're slow to listen, what you're saying is, is I don't want to hear you. I just want to win an argument. I want to be right. My concern is, is me. Right, This anger of man, it's the kind of anger that like is prompted. It's not a righteous anger when you're in the checkout line and you see somebody in the express line with one too many items. Okay, That's an anger of man. You're not like, oh, I'm really... Your concern is like how you are being inconvenienced. Okay, Those are anger of man sort of things. And so if you're at a green light and the person is not going... That which is welling up in you, again, your concern is like not with a righteous anger where it's like, wow, I really don't like how you're representing God in this moment, and, and I'm really concerned with you. 
you're like, no, I got places to be. My concern is me right now. This is the anger of man is just this concern with how it's affecting you. And so here's the thing, is that kind of anger is not bring about this righteousness that God would desire. And we're exposed to this, and perhaps we're the product of it, and you, there's not the slide for it, but even just this past week, and it's on both sides of the political party you know, system, but just to see in social media, perhaps you saw that. I'm forgetting the, the news guy now, um, but he was standing in, in deep water, and they're like, well, fake news, look at this, covering the hurricane, making it seem worse than it really is. Anderson Cooper is in this deep water when the cameraman's up in like two inches. Oh, fake news. And <laughs> come to find out, it's like, oh, I wish you had been quick to listen because that's a 10-year-old photo. That is not at all from the recent hurricane. And if you understand the context of what he's talking about here, there's a reasonable explanation. But the failure to, to listen and understand is creating unnecessary tension across party lines, across, you know, marriages, all these things. And what he's saying is we need to be quick to listen and not give way to this anger of, oh, I'm so frustrated and how it's making me feel. Now, there is kind of a right anger or a godly anger and that should be noted. It's the kind of anger uh, in regards to, to sin. It's these things that would... God would rightly be angered by. Ephesians 4, actually, 26 says, hey, in your anger, do not sin. And so apparently there is there's a kind of anger that we can have towards a child perhaps being taken advantage of. Or there's a, there's a right anger that we can have uh, towards an innocent life being taken. My alma mater, ISU, a, a golfer who's out golfing, a uh, 22-year-old stud athlete, who somebody just came out of the woods because they had a desire to rape and kill somebody and took her life. There's a right anger where it's like, out of love for that person, that just bothers me. Out of love for this innocent child, for them to be uh, abused, that bothers me. Or there's, as a pastor, to see people on, on TV, these money-hungry televangelists that are preaching something contrary to what is found in Scripture and just manipulating people to say, well, if you give to me, you're going to be blessed. There should be a right anger that would frustrate those that love God and love others when those things are done wrong. But that right anger is not what we're talking about today. He's saying the anger of man no, that doesn't have any place with y'all. That's not fitting. And here's the thing. We, as Christians, are called to follow God. And what God would say of himself, he would say in Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He would tell Moses in Exodus 34, 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. James is going to go on later to say, now listen, in James 5, God is going to settle accounts. Leave room for that. You don't need to get all worked up about these things, and you certainly don't need to get worked up about things that are just inconveniencing you. I wish you would care about things that really matter, but understand this, in James 5, he's going to say, God is going to work things out in the end. As for you, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. 
And it puts on such a beautiful display. Church, just think about these two verses. What if, and I ran this scenario by my connection group this week. Just, I want you to think about this. What if we read these verses and we as Anthem Church really applied them? And we're like, you know what? That, that, that gets me. I'm going to be quick to listen. And not only us, let, let's just say, you know, somebody really famous or whatever puts it in their eye black today during the NFL game, and all of America sees that, opens up their Bible, reads James, you know, 1, 19, and 20, and they're like, you know what? Hmm. And all of America today is, is cut to the heart. Just, hype, just work with me here. Like, what if everybody in America today is like, you know what? I'm going to be quicker to listen. I'm going to seek to understand the person and not instantly just cast judgment and fill in their situation, but I'm going to be quick to understand, slow to speak, just ask good questions, and I'm going to be slow to anger. What if everybody in America applied that today? You know what my connection group did? They just started laughing. Like they were just like, <laughs> that, that would be crazy. Like, can you imagine if everybody just got this and was cut to the heart? Social media would be a pretty boring place at this point. I mean, how much of those are just ignorant, like out of anger kind of responses? You take all those away, it's like, we're just going to see puppy and baby pictures, apparently, all of social media. That's what it'll be. Like, what if, we, what if, what if this was applied in, in this just took heart. Like people in work were like, I'm going to think the best. I'm going to seek understanding. I'm going to be slow to anger. Like how much more productive would the workplace be? What would it look like for neighbors and relationship to, to open up and to have those conversation and get all the information out there without instantly filling in gaps for them and casting judgment? What would it look like if our democratic, you know, uh, just the government would, would, come about and say, you know what, we want to understand. And, and yes, you have some points, we have some points. And everybody was quick to listen. I mean, it would, if these were applied, can you begin to say, like, wow, that would be, that would clearly put something on display. That would be such a display of, like, love. That would be incredible. And it's like, yeah, you're understanding why God is writing through James to communicate this. But here's the reality is not everybody, uh, it's not likely <laughs> that everybody's going to be cut to the heart today and sit under this teaching. But the question is, you are, what will your response be? Does that make sense? I, I, I can't speak for your neighbor who might not be here. I can't speak for the coworker. I'm not saying they're going to get it all figured out. But what about you? Like, do you disagree with anything that's been covered thus far in the text? Like, does somebody want to interpret that differently? And you're like, I think what he's meaning is maybe get angry. Like, do you read that in your Bible? Like, if you have a different translation and it reads, get angry, I would love to understand your translation. Bring it to me after service. But if there's no confusion on this, okay, what would it look like for us as a church to actually apply this, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry? What would it look like if it started, what we wanted to see out there just started with us? And we sought understanding. He's going to go on in verse 21. He says, therefore, in light of this, and again, I imagine how beautiful this would be if put on display. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. 
and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. If we would get this, if we'd be slow to anger, quick to understand, it'd be so beautiful. And here's the thing, is for me, this is really convicting. I legitimately mean it when I'm saying this is not the strongest thing for me. This is a weakness, and I'm convicted on this. To have to sit and teach this and stew on it has been hard, and I understand that the application process is going to be a process on working some things that I've just been given. I'm like, well, why is it wrong to spout back? Now I have scripture that I've had to study out, and I'm like, that is why. That is so proud. That is so self-centered. I see that. What would it look like if we didn't dismiss this? And here's the thing, opening we got to get to the root. Because what we can't do is just simply hit on the symptoms where it's like, oh, I blew up again. Like, oh, there I was just cussing and throwing things. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. You know, please forgive me for that. That's the right response in that. But, but you got to get to the root. And James in verse 21 is, is taking us to the root and saying, you gotta, you got to put away there in the Greek, they would have been like, strip off. you got to get rid of this filthiness and rampant wickedness. you got to take it. Uh, to me, it's like when I tell little Janessa, our little two-year-old, it's like, bath time, okay? She puts away her clothes. Like, that's the Greek here is like, take them off, throw them, strip them, and all of a sudden you see this little naked girl running down the hallway. It's like, it's apparently bath time. And he's saying, you need to strip away, put off, get rid of. All the filthiness and rampant wickedness. All these things that are oriented around your anger, and you need to get to the root of getting rid of those things. And here's at the root what we need to understand. In fact, you can write this down if you can find it fast. Titus chapter 3, uh, verses 2 through 7. I'm going to just read this to you. Here's getting to the root. We need to understand this. He says in Titus chapter 3, verse 2, Speak evil to no one and avoid quarreling to be gentle and show perfect courtesy toward all people. Why? For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days away in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, in Titus 3, verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What did he say in verse 4? But we were like this. We were like this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared to us, changed us. And I think that I've surrendered to this, and I wouldn't want somebody in here to surrender to this notion that, well, the world is filled with just dumb people. And so, because they're dumb, I'm just going to get angry. It's a fool's choice. And what he says in Titus is like, yeah, you are one of them. Like, you were one of those foolish people, were you not? Don't tell me you come out of the womb just perfect. <laughs> like, maybe you didn't hold your breath until you passed out, but were you always just this change? No, God did a work in you. That is clear through Scripture. He did a work through Jesus. And so these fools are like, you allow to get yourself angry. You're saying, you were one of them. 
And it would be a fool's choice to just allow us to get calloused hearts and to say, well, because of foolish, silly people out there, just gonna, I guess it's just going to drive me to get angry at them. If they would learn to drive, then I wouldn't have to cuss at them from behind the wheel. If they would just learn to accept that my idea was the best, then I wouldn't get mad. What he's saying is, is that, that God was gracious to us, did not treat us as our sins deserve. And so our failure, Anthem Church, I want you to hear this, the failure to apply what is seen in these three verses today is to outwardly deny the gospel, the good news which changed you inwardly. So to say, God was, was patient, he was gracious to me, he's forgiven me, he didn't treat me as my sins deserve. And now the overflow of that, we have to respond in kind. And here's the, the, the fool's choice in this idea that, that there's this chasm between us and God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's only a fool that looks at this great chasm that's like, well, yeah, but I got further. <laughs> like, I got closer. I wasn't quite as bad as they were. I mean, I acknowledged that I was messed up, but I at least got this far in the chasm, like jumping across. They only got this far. And on your way down, like casting judgment, like, wow, you fool, you idiot. It's like, yeah, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And how hypocritical would it be as those that are forgiven by the grace of God to look at others that need forgiveness and not issue that? In fact, Jesus is very clear in Matthew 18 of the one that was forgiven so much that his inability to forgive others, Matthew 18, the parable uh, of the one that was uh, forgiven all the debts. He's saying, your failure then to turn around and forgive this one? When the master found out about that, he's like, no, you take that one, put him in jail. Put him out where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Guys, we have been forgiven. And so, Anthem Church, this is not an optional thing that we get to choose. It's not optional for me. Then I'm telling you, as I, as I leave here, there's confession that needs to be made. There's work that needs to be done. But this is not an optional thing where it's like, well, I just, I'm just kind of person that gets angry. And what we see is that, that that's not the kind of people that, that God has redeemed. God has done a work through Jesus. And so, therefore, in light of that, in light of what he has done to us, we have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because this righteousness of God in making that evident depends on our ability to follow suit and follow our Savior. What's the harm in waiting, being quick to listen, hearing the person out? It's going to come from walking by the Spirit. And again, evidence of this, we don't have time to unpack it all. Galatians makes it clear that it's out of the overflow of what God has done, that there will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All we're talking about is in our marriages, in our workplaces, with our, uh, those we interact with, our children, that we would manifest the fruits of the Spirit, not give to the flesh, and understand that that is giving to the flesh, and we would walk by the Spirit in that, that we, we would be patient and kind, that we would exercise self-control. And it starts with what we post on our social media, 
It starts with how we interact with our kids. We can't ask them to do, as parents, something that we ourselves are not willing to do. It starts with us. And so as we take communion today, I want to open this up as an opportunity to allow this, these three verses from James, not from me, from James, as you clearly read them and interpret them, how does this apply to you? And again, with the definition of anger, not being the, the Greek where it's like you're, you're ready to kill somebody, but just by the, the definition closer to that found in Webster's, is this feeling of annoyance, displeasure, and hostility. If you've allowed yourself to be annoyed, to, to be displeased, because you've been focused on yourself, what I'm asking is that you would repent of that this morning. Meaning you would confess that to God and you would turn from it. That if you've been focused on self and we're going to go and we're going to remember the selfless act of Jesus Christ. As we take communion, his body was broken. His blood was shed for us. He took the sins that, that we had, that we deserve to be punished for. And Jesus took that punishment upon himself. And so what I'm saying is, is do not, if you are being selfish right now and not forgiving others, please do not hypocritically go and say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness to, sell, uh, to me. Oh, as for those others, <laughs> no, I'm just going to thank you for what you've done for me. I'm not going to display that to others. I would say, please, repent of that. Repent of that and search your heart before you take communion. The band's going to play a couple songs, and it's going to give us the opportunity. And what I would envision in this time is husbands turning to their wives and leaning out, leading out, and saying, would you forgive me for getting worked up, annoyed by this? And that you would ask forgiveness. It, it might be kids to their parents, if you're here. Forgive me for being angry, being concerned with myself and my own things. Instead of, uh, instead of being loving, being kind, and being what God would call us to, I would love that there be college students, you guys, single people. You're not exempt. You can find leaders. You can find people that you came with and say, I just want to confess this. I just want to own this, say that that is not fitting for somebody that has received so much forgiveness from God. And before I take communion, I would just want to confess this. And what I would, here's what it looks like to confess something, is to own it, say, this is what I've done. This is why I was wrong. Please forgive me. This is not confession. This is what I did. This is, you know, why I did it and why it was pretty excusable. And you can understand how you put me in that position, right? Okay. That's not confession. Please own it and understand that God is forgiven us and is willing to forgive us, that we don't have to jockey and position ourselves in order to have right standing. We have right standing through the body and blood of Jesus. And so as we confess and own those things in our families, in our friend groups, I invite you then to make your way to one of the communion tables, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, Take it and then come back and remain standing as we worship together. Again, Anthem Church, you see this in the text, right? This isn't Pastor Stan, something he came up with. Clearly in the text, and I love this about James, he doesn't mince words, it's painfully obvious. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. 
in doing so, something so powerful and evident will be made known that our source is God, that we can forgive because he's forgiven us. We can be patient. He was patient with us. Let's do this. And I'm just going to pray for us as the band comes up. God, would you right now even just bring to mind just ways that we have given to anger. And so, Lord, would you help, again, lay on the hearts right now of dads and, and wives and students and, and sons and daughters. Lord, would you lay on our hearts right now things that we need to confess before we take communion and pray that today would be a day that we just get to own that and ask for forgiveness of how we've allowed ourselves to be annoyed, displeased, and even hostile towards things we ought not to, things that are not righteous anger, but things that are the anger of man. And so, God, would you please bring to mind, we just pray that you bring to mind now things that we can repent of. We thank you for the forgiveness, and it's just a joy to, to be able to celebrate that and remember what you've done. And so, Jesus, we thank you for the forgiveness that we can have in you. But pray right now that today would be a day of healing for family units and for marriages, that as we can just own this and confess it and begin to go to work, uh, seeking to become more like you, Jesus. So please, would today be a turning point? We just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.